0: Hello, and welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast where we talk about myths, legends, and folktales from India. I am your host, Narad Muni, and I'm a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present, and the future. By profession, I'm a traveling musician and a storyteller. So the way I'm doing my job is by podcast. In this episode, we are doing the story of King Shibi. This is a peripheral story from the Mahabharata. We'll see Shibi win a contest that he didn't even know he was participating in. Indra is the chief of the devs, or gods, and he's also the god of rain and rain and thunder, and lightning. The thing about Indra is, besides throwing all these thunderbolts, he also throws these amazing parties. The atmosphere is just awesome. And I'm not only saying that because his coat is literally high up in the air, in swarg, or heaven. Yeah, the air is definitely cleaner there, and the drinks flow freely, and the entertainment is top-notch. That last bit means, sometimes I get to perform on my veena. The crowd always loves it. Anyway, it was at just such a party that today's story begins. I had just performed a whole set of new songs and I was basking in all the cheers from the crowd. I grabbed a spot next to Indra himself. How was that? I asked. I was only asking out of politeness. Get out of the way, Narad. We are discussing something important here, he said. He turned back to Agni, and they continued their very animated debate about who was more likely to win the next Gilidanda World Cup. I'm usually not very confrontational, but I don't like being spoken to with disrespect. So this time, I did use my inexhaustible knowledge of the past, present and future. So I told them both. In the finals, Dave's beat the Users 9-8 in overtime. Varun knocks it out of the park to score the winning run. They both looked daggers at me for spoiling this suspense. This is why we shouldn't invite Nara to these parties, said one disgruntled Dev, who had also been listening. Clearly, he had already placed a wager on a different outcome at the Gilidanda World Cup. Indra sighed. And asked the disgruntled Dev to take a chill pill. Well, Narad, since we are talking about these topics, who is the best Gilidanda player on our team? I answered truthfully. And then the questions just kept coming, one after another. Who was the strongest human? I said Bhim, of course and Krishna was the cleverest, and Hanuman was the strongest vanar, and so on. Eventually, the topic got around to kings. I was asked which king cared about his subjects the most. I answered that it was Shibi. There was a stunned silence. The reason I think it caught people by surprise soon became apparent in the next question I was asked. It was Varun who asked this. Who in Vishnu's name is Shibi? It was appalling how these gods could be so ignorant. I'm not a god myself, so maybe I just don't understand the pressures of governing the lives of all people. Or maybe they would just been partying too hard. Either way, I would have to explain. Shibi is a king. He is king of the same territory as Hastinapur, from Mahabharat fame, but from a different time. This story we are in is included in the Mahabharata too. This last sentence, when I said it, didn't make much sense to most of the devs. Seeing as at that time the Mahabharata hadn't been written yet. That's one problem with being a time traveler with inexhaustible knowledge of the past, present, and future. You sometimes forget which era you are in. But I'm not complaining. There are perks too. For example, expiration dates don't apply to me, and I can easily win the lottery. Anyway, Back to the story. I explained that Shibi was more committed to the protection of his people than any other king I had observed at that time. You're joking, right? What about Ram and Krishna? challenged Varun. I'm not joking, I said, quite seriously. It's debatable if that is even a fair comparison, since neither Ram nor Krishna, were ordinary humans. And besides, Krishna was never really a king. Others of his choice may have ruled as figureheads, but Krishna didn't have the official title of king. Indra lowered his glasses and put aside the who's who guidebook he had been browsing through. I am surprised I didn't hear of Shibi before, he said. I still can't believe it. If you ask me, chimed in Agni, "Naras exaggerating again. This is just like that time when he sent all of us scrambling in a panic just because Vishwamitra was visiting. Agni knows how to rile me up. I responded with passion. Hey, I did no such thing. And B, it was Durvas, not Vishwamitra. And C, do you even know what Durvas is going to do to you all? I guess maybe the episode of Samadramanthan hadn't yet happened for these thieves. All right, all right, said Indra. As your chief, it is my duty to resolve any such disagreements. We were all shocked that Indra was taking his role seriously. Maybe the party was a little wilder than I had thought. So, I appoint Yum as the judge here. Yum, who was the Lord of Death, sighed about how he had two portfolios, justice and death. But he accepted his role. And Shani will be the bookkeeper, Indra declared. Shani's reaction was a little bit more enthusiastic than Yams had been. Step up, ladies and gents. Place your bets here. I'm offering 25 to 1 odds that Shibi is number one in caring for his subjects. Shani's enthusiasm dropped a little when he found out that as the bookkeeper, he couldn't place a bet. He thought betting against shibby was a guaranteed way to make a little money. My thoughts were the opposite. 25 to 1? At those odds, I thought I could make a decent pile of cash. But I was the only one thinking so. Also, because I had made the claim... I wasn't allowed to place a bet either. It's fine. Anyway, it's not like I care about money. And I'm not just saying it like it's sour grapes or something like that. Come on, people. Someone has to bet on Shibi. Indra encouraged. Otherwise, it's not really a contest. A backbencher, Dev, stepped up and said that he would bet on Shippi. Ah, thank you, my dear friend, Indra said, which made losing that money totally worth it for that backbencher Dev. He hadn't placed his wager on Shippi out of any conviction. It was only because he wanted to earn a little favor from Indra. And in his mind, It totally became worth it because Indra called him a dear friend. What an honor it felt like. Of course, the backpencher dev didn't realize that Indra had only addressed him as such because he didn't know that backpencher dev's name. Well, you couldn't have expected Indra to memorize names and faces of 33 million devs. I can... But then, I'm a class apart, am I not? So now that the stakes were set, and all devs were thirsting for the chance to show Narad up, a plan was hatched to test Shibi, and it was soon set into motion. To witness what happened next, Indra advised us to disguise ourselves as ordinary humans and to show up in Shibi's court. We all did. If Shibi noticed that his court was suddenly packed with 33 million people more than usual, he didn't show it. Rather, he took to moving the court proceedings outdoors. And he installed a PA system and closed circuit TV so we could all see him function. Doing this outdoors made it easier for what happened next. It was a fine spring morning, and the lark was singing, and the doves were cooing. Well, not all doves were cooing. In fact, one dove was screaming her head off. Help me, help me, she screamed, as she flew into sight. She seemed exhausted and unable to fly anymore. As she was near the throne, Shibby quickly stood up, put on a large bird glove and gently caught the dove just as it reached him. Meanwhile, Shibby's minister of ornithology poked his neighbor in the ribs and said excitedly, There, didn't I tell you the bird glove would come in handy one day? Allocating lakhs of rupees for bird glove research? was totally worth it. But the neighbor, who was the undersecretary to the minister of ornithology, wasn't interested in bird gloves. What she wanted to know was how the dove was able to speak a human language. Parrots can, and minas can, but doves? That was a new one. The dove gasped and thanked Shibi. But before she could explain what she needed help with, the explanation arrived on the scene. And it arrived in the form of an eagle. The eagle screeched into view and made a grab for the dove. But it was a half-hearted grab. And Shibby was able to swat the eagle away. Surrender my prey, the eagle demanded. Shibby looked down at the dove. The dove looked back with tears in her eyes. Please, no, she said. You big, muscular, protective, kind stranger. Please don't give me up to the mean eagle. Shibby replied that he wouldn't. The dove had sought his protection and she would have it. Just to confirm though, was the dove really his subject? Because he could only protect someone who was a citizen of his kingdom. He had a pretty comprehensive extradition policy with all his neighbours. Yes, yes, I am a citizen of your kingdom, the dove claimed. She even had her Aadhaar card, if he wanted proof. Turning to the eagle? Shibbi said that he could not hand over the dove. Sorry, but the dove was under his protection now. And that meant he was responsible for her welfare and security. So what about me then? asked the eagle. You should have no difficulty finding other food. Your are eagle-eyed. Literally. Shibi replied. Oh no, Shibi, you don't get to weasel out of this. I am your subject too, and here's my Aadhaar card to prove it. That means you're responsible for my security and welfare too. How can you do justice here if you don't also provide for me? That was a valid point. Shibby was responsible for the eagle's well-being too. Realizing that, Shibby offered the eagle an alternative. Leave this dove alone. I can get you something else. But it was easier said than done. The eagle laughed at his suggestion of eating a plant-based alternative. Hey... I'm carnivorous in case you didn't notice, the eagle said. Shibi proposed a few more options, including an all-expenses-paid trip out of the kingdom, where the eagle was welcome to grab any food not in Shibi's protection. But the eagle was adamant. Finally, having rejected everything else, the eagle made a particularly violent suggestion. He would accept a portion of Shibi himself, equal in weight to the dove. That's rather gross, Shibi protested. But the eagle calmly replied that it wouldn't kill Shibi, probably. I mean, look at how light the dove was. Shibi would hardly notice if a part of him equal to the dove's weight went missing. Surprisingly, Shibi gave in. He summoned weighing scales and the best doctors and anesthesiologists in his kingdom. They began the procedure and weighed Shibi's flesh against the dove. But no matter what they did, the dove was always heavier. The minister, for metrics and measurements, offered his opinion. Either the scales are completely broken or the dove has put on a hundred pounds in the last few minutes. Well, the scales were tested by having the dove sit on the other pan. But still, the same thing happened, proving that it wasn't the scales that were wrong. Shibby was silent through all of this. He might have gone to the extent of amputating his limbs. But at this point, the dove suddenly screamed, Hold up! Time out! Stop! Let's end this right here! The eagle, too, nodded his head vigorously. I'm not going to eat that, the eagle said, and added, to Shibi, you, sir, are one sick person. Shibi said it was his duty. And what was wrong with that? He was acceding to his subject's demands. And to begin with, this had been the eagle's idea. Yeah, I get that, the eagle said. But, you know, you should push back, dude. Be reasonable, like do a referendum, get public opinion, even put me in jail for endangering the life of the king. The dove sighed and signaled to the eagle. Leave it, Agni. I think it's time to give up the game. With that, instantly, the two birds transformed into Indra and Agni. We were just testing you, Indra began to explain. You see, all this started because... Agni cleared his throat to interrupt. It was obvious he was still shaken and uncomfortable with what he had witnessed. Indra, let's get quickly to the mumbo-jumbo part, where we restore Shibi back exactly to how he was. Indra nodded and did indeed skip right to the mumbo jumbo which restored Shibi back to exactly how he was yum as the judge declared Shibi the winner and everyone returned to swarg shibi's court returned to normal now that the devas were all returning to swarg but the sobering mood Amongst the devs was the opposite of what it had been at the start of the story. I tried making light conversation with some of the devs on the way back. But most of them brushed me off. My polite small talk was met with, Go away, Narada, or You caused all this, just stay away from me. I had been right all along. But I bet, compared to me, even an Asur would have been more popular in this crowd at that time. Only one Dev returned happy. The backpencher Dev, who had bet on Shibi to balance the books. No one really learned his name, but he did make a pile of money when he wasn't expecting to. That's where we'll end the story. This story is one of the peripheral tales told in the Mahabharat. Figures, because Shibi ruled the same area as Hastinapur, though he was from a different era. The city, Sevan in Pakistan, used to be called Shibistan, named after this Shibi. And to give you a sense of the geographical reach of this king, the Chola dynasty claimed that Shibhi was one of their ancestors. We have met both Indra and Agni before in several episodes. Check the links on the site sfipodcast.com. There are links to other Mahabharat stories as well. This story has parallels in other cultures as well. For example, the story of Abraham in the Hebrew Bible. On command from God... Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, but was interrupted at the last minute. In a slightly different variation in Greek mythology, Tantalus sacrificed his young boy and, uh, served him up in a dish for the gods of Mount Olympus. Zeus, the chief of the Greek gods, was pretty disgusted even though he had seen and done some wild stuff himself. Zeus and the other Olympians restored the boy, but punished Tantalus by putting him in the underworld and putting his food and drink tantalizingly out of reach. Of course, Shibi is seen in a much more positive light than that. Next time, we'll cover the story of tilotama. I've had a listener request for a story of this Apsara or Celestial Dancer. We'll see how Tilottama saves the world from yet another powerful and destructive wish granted by my dad, Brahma, the creator. And yes, I appear in the next story too, a little bit. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you would like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at SFIPodcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A huge thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.